Hello and a very warm welcome to you. You're listening to Search for Truth with me, John Martin. Uh, Once again, I introduce our Bible teacher, Brian Johnston, and we begin a new series with Brian today. For the next eight weeks, Brian will be going uh, to take us to some significant events in the Bible. These events have a common link, for they all happened at night. We'll see a night when world empires changed hands, a night when disciples were miraculously freed from a Roman prison, and a night of shipwreck on the island of Malta. The series will end with the greatest night of all, a night which changed the course of history and affected all mankind since it happened. It's the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This eight-week series is called Nights of Old, and you can follow it by sending for the free booklet. I'll be telling you the address to contact at the end of this programme, but now let's hear from Brian with the first Night of Old. It's recorded in the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis and chapter 28, and it's the night when angels climbed a ladder. Imagine a lonely stretch of desert with bare wastes of sand and occasional tufts of grass. As the sun goes down, it sets on a weary traveller. If he's dragging his feet through tiredness, chances are he's also throwing the occasional glance over his shoulder, as if to see if anyone is following him. Why? Well, here's a man with sin on his conscience, for he's cheated his old father and defrauded his brother, defrauded him out of a blessing, and now he's on the run. Sin always drives us out. It drove out our first parents from the Garden of Eden. Jacob, the solitary traveller, stopped for the night, thinking he'd put enough distance between himself and home for one day. He found a stone to use as a pillow, and lying down, he sank into sleep. But as he slept, he had a dream, in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Was that the first recorded vow by any human in all history? Jacob says that if God would be with him and keep him safe and bring him back to his father's house in peace, then he'd honour the Lord as his God with any wealth entrusted to him. How could Jacob ever forget the night he dreamed this dream? the night when God had made his presence known to him in this place. Jacob marked the place out, 
by turning his stone pillow into a pillar. Surely he must have intended to revisit this place, this place where God had made his presence known to him in a special way by night. Then he was off eastward again, and down in Mesopotamia, in the employ of his mother's brother, Jacob prospered, accumulating not only a family, but numerous flocks and herds. He'd become rich and successful. He'd gained so much, but I wonder, had he lost the vision of heavenly things? Then one day, in the midst of his prosperity, God spoke to him in Mesopotamia and told him to go back to his own country, making a special point of reminding him that he was the God of Bethel, the place where he'd set up his pillar and vowed his vow. Jacob then set out for his native land. On the homeward journey, he was once again overcome with fear. Not so much the fear of what he was running away from this time, but even more afraid of what he was heading towards. After all, he'd heard that Esau, the brother he cheated, was coming to meet him with 400 men. This homeward journey was to be another journey punctuated by a strange experience at night. For that night, a man wrestled with Jacob till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God. Maybe this nighttime adventure was intended to give Jacob food for thought. All through his life, he seemed to have been struggling to get for himself the blessings which God had promised to give him anyway. It's also true for us that the blessings of the Christian life are found when we let go of our own efforts and lay hold on God alone. Maybe you're struggling with the issue of handing your life over to Christ. Perhaps you're wrestling with the demands of discipleship and the claims of Christ. Then God's word to you is just to yield to him. God made the point more forcibly with Jacob by crippling his natural strength and vigour. When Jacob got back to his own country, he was surely now a man who relied more on God and not on his own strength in fighting for himself. He'd made peace with his brother Esau and then turned to the south and settled down in a place called Shechem. But you know, we read that during all that time, there were those in his household who must have been practising idolatry. The years passed. If his conscience hurt him about the idols in his household, perhaps he excused himself by saying, well, times are different now. It had been many years since the time God had appeared to Jacob at Bethel, and since he'd made his vow. And then one day, God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household, and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you, and purify yourselves. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. I wonder if Jacob had said to himself, 
Bethel. That's where I dreamt about the angels. That's where I experienced the presence of God. Bethel. That's where I made my vow. It seems clear that Jacob knew that he was now a long way from Bethel, not only in geographical location, but also in spirit. His mind seems to have turned immediately to those shameful idols. How could he go to Bethel? He knew that idols and Bethel had nothing in common. But this was God's gracious call to go back. You can imagine Jacob's thoughts and recollections as his mind raced back through the years and he saw himself again as the lonely, frightened youngster fleeing from the anger of his brother Esau. Was it hard for him to find the place he'd marked out where he dreamed that dream so many years ago? There are some places you never forget. So Jacob worshipped God at Bethel and God appeared to him again. Did Jacob think to himself, you know, I always intended to get back here. I just don't know why it's taken me so long. Maybe it makes you think of someone who's wandered away from a close friendship with God. Or some conviction. Or they've wandered away from a vision of heavenly things. Maybe they've deserted a vow or commitment they'd made between themselves and God. Their spiritual interest has become submerged, perhaps by worldly pleasures. But it's still there, below the surface of their life, like the fabled submerged city of Atlantis. Do you know that England has its very own real Atlantis? It's a village called Mardale. Long ago, it became submerged under the surface of Hawswater. The year 2003 was one of the driest years on record in the United Kingdom, during which the long-lost walls from the submerged village of Mardale reappeared and even began to dry off in the autumn sun. Some parts of the outskirts of the village poked above the waters of Hawswater Reservoir for the first time since the drought year of 1995. Our spiritual life with God can become like that, it can get submerged, covered with the temporary currents of the world. But deep down, the interest is still there, and it shows itself now and again. For some people, spiritual interest is rekindled at a mother's deathbed, in some moment of awakening conscience, in the hour of distress and danger, or perhaps at a time of deliverance from illness or death. It's easy to vow and promise to serve the Lord. But sadly, it's just as easy to walk away from it. There are plenty of people today who would hardly be recognised as the same people their friends saw 10, 20 or 30 years ago. It's as though the ladder and the angels have faded away from view. The world will never tell us to go back, for the world's business is to keep us as far away as possible from Bethel, and to drown out any spiritual interest in our lives. No, if we're going to get back to God, God must first of all speak to us. But perhaps today he is. Perhaps through this broadcast, God's asking us to come back to himself and to live up to our earlier commitments, to serve him once again at our highest level of commitment. Are we, like Jacob, willing to put away all that hinders us. The Savior. 
As Brian said, it's easy to make a commitment to God, but just as easy to drift away. It was the same in the disciples' experience. We read in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 66, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And also we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, as I promised, I'd give you the address to obtain the free booklet covering this series. You can order it for yourself or a friend, or some to use in a Bible study group, perhaps. The title is Knights of Old, and you can order by email or by post. And here's our contact details. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info And you may be interested to know that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air by audio podcast or MP3 versions. If you go to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com you can browse the list of previous talks which you'll see has been sorted into categories to help you find what you're looking for. So that's all we have for today. Many thanks for your company once again. Goodbye, God bless, and thank you for listening. <laughs>